Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's how we own it. Welcome to Street Politicians, the place where the streets and politics meet. I'm your host, my son. And I'm Tamika D. Mallory, and this is Street Politicians. So much is happening across this country. Um, we seem like we're in a moment where we're either going to change drastically or people are going to burn this whole country down. So this is a we place. We're going to burn this. We, this is a, and we hope that that doesn't happen. But it's a place where certainly folks have just decided that enough is enough. And I think it is um, most incredible to see that people from outside of the country have taken up our issue uh, in Germany, people have been marching. In Paris, people have been organizing and speaking out. And in fact, I saw a viral video of a woman who lives in Paris who was complaining, like, you know, why, why is all of this Black Lives Matter stuff happening? I don't care about that. Like, it's not my issue. It's not my family. It's not something I believe in. She went viral. She's probably going to lose her job. You're going to lose your job. I love that. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your job. She'll probably lose her job in the next few hours. Um, and so with everything that's happening, though, I think what is most painful is that the death, the murder, the assault upon Black lives still has not stopped. Um, and, and I don't think any of us have it in our minds that just because there's a major movement that uh, the violence against Black bodies would just end. But we're still seeing images of very, very gruesome um, and traumatizing murder uh, of Black people. And so all the movement that's happening in the world, you got COVID-19, you got so much going on, and yet still Black bodies continue to drop and America has the blood of our people on these streets. Um, you know, since we last talked when we were fighting for George Floyd and um, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and the list goes on and on of those who went before them. Um, now we have a new case, Rayshard Brooks, right before America's eyes, right on video, 
we saw that this man was killed. And I don't think that we are so naive or so confused that we don't understand the challenges that was happening in that moment. We know he was drinking. We saw that. We know that he fell asleep behind the wheel um, because he had too much to drink. We know that once he uh, got into a fight or once they were attempting to arrest him, that he started to fight the cops and that he also took the taser um, and ran away with it. And he, he pointed the taser at the police. We know all of that. But I think what's at the heart of the conversation and what many of us as activists and advocates might have been trying to say is that the way in which we are handled from start to finish is different from how we see other communities being managed. And so we're gonna talk about that because yeah, we know things, he could have done things different. There's a lot of things that could have happened differently, but he was being harassed from the very moment that the second officer arrived on the scene and the way in which he was being treated wasn't a de-escalation attempt. It wasn't a community relations attempt. It was an enforcement attempt. And that's something that um, I think, you know, we have to discuss. Five people hanging across the nation, five different cases of people hanging in which in each situation, the media keeps trying to say suicide, that these people did harm to themselves. Any other community, if you found five white people, particularly young white men, hanging around this nation, people like you and me, mice, would be in jail. They would lock us up to see if the movement has something to do with the retaliation against white people. Mm -hmm. uh, then we see Nakia Crawford, a young woman, 18 years old, just graduated from high school, driving her grandmother somewhere, doing her regular, normal, everyday activities, shot to death at a light in Akron, Ohio. We don't know for sure, but witnesses say that it was a white man in the vehicle uh, that shot her. Many witnesses have said it. So we don't know. They can't say she shot herself. And of course, they would love to say that it was black on black crime, but that's not what the witnesses are saying. And so that's, you know, yet another uh, situation that we have to monitor. I know I saw on Sean King's um, Instagram page that there's a $50,000 reward available for those who are able to help um, catch the, the, the murderer of Nakia Crawford, which is a sad situation. Like I said, she just graduated. Then Trump, I mean, I keep saying this stuff is not isolated. It's very, very much coordinated in terms of how they are choosing cities to go to and the dates that they are choosing to go to these places, both for his campaign events and now he will accept the nomination um, in, in, uh, in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Now, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he's going to be this weekend, and yes, granted, it was supposed to be tomorrow on Juneteenth that he would be having his major event, and they moved it again because somebody got in touch with him and said, you are actually going to ensure you that there's bloodshed. 
Because yes. you know, like, I'm thinking about how we've been traveling for the last few weeks, and the types of people that I hear on your phone are not like, you know, regular activists. Like, these, they're not really, they don't call themselves activists at all. These is people we don't even see outside in the daytime. And they're calling you like, yo, if homeboy thinks he's going to Tulsa, I'm ready to give it all up. Like, I, he, it can't happen. So, you know, he moved the date because somebody said this is not going to be good. And thank God they did. But it's still the mere fact that he's going to Tulsa. Going to Tulsa. Understanding the history of Tulsa, knowing that Black Wall Street was there and that town was bombed. And that was where our people were thriving, not just surviving. It was a model for Black America of how to have a community that has wealth and is sustainable without having to beg the state for anything. Um, and it was bombed, literally bombed by the on American government on Juneteenth. Uh, no, no, not on Juneteenth. That's not I mean, no, it's no. 99 years 99. after the bombing. Um, Juneteenth is a different date. This is the day when many black, black people, right, when many black, black Africans, when many Africans um, were told that we were free from slavery, from enslavement, and we know many did not find out. So there were many people who remained enslaved uh, because they didn't know, but that is the official day when black people were supposed to know that we were freed from slavery. And so, even though Tulsa, the Tulsa bombings didn't happen on that day, the mere fact that you would go to Tulsa, understanding what you represent as an American president, as a white man who's called you know, that day represents it. it can't happen. So that's that on that. Jacksonville um, is another place that they're going to. August 27th or 28th, they're going to be in Jacksonville and they're going to Jacksonville for the Republican National Convention, where he's going to accept the nomination um, as their candidate for president. And like, yo, in, in that town, the same exact time, there was the, um, the, the anniversary of the axe handle. I think it's the axe. Yeah, axe handle. Exactly. That was another time when white people, including law enforcement, murdered black folks and there are actual uh um events that happen every august where they are literally commemorating that day and remembering the those people who were lost so this we're, we're, we're talking about not isolated incidents how the hell do they choose both of those times in one period it's not isolated it's not i think it's very strategic i think you know if you, if you look at just the tulsa situation in and itself was crazy man just when we first heard that he was going there on juneteenth you're right i got a lot of calls and people's like i'm ready to give it up yo. i'm going there but like, everybody i knew called me and you know and, and we were already heading to dc to do an action and we was considering you know to even change our route to go out there on that day so it was strategic i guess he figured he wants to speak to his african-americans as he said you know and, and try to pander and try to make it seem like he understands our struggle, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, it's Trump is very, very, um, very strategic and he, and, he, and he plays with marketing. That's his whole thing is about how is he going to market something. You know, when you look at the next place, when we look at, um, where else, where is he going again, you said? 
to Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, Florida. And we look about the atrocity that happened there in Jacksonville. And then you look at him going there to speak. So these are, these are times mm -hmm. where he's trying to utilize the heartstrings of black people. And then he's going to try to speak and pander to black people. In his mind, you know, he doesn't realize that people are already fed up. You know, you can't talk to people when they're dealing with pain and, and you're the one who inflicted it. So he has a, a strategy. So it's a, it's a two-pronged strategy. He either riles up his base by letting them know that he's going to go there and speak on those days and they, like, and they see it as a form of disrespect. Or he either gets some of us, you know, who are not as conscious of understanding, like, well, you know, he wants to celebrate with us. You know, the president, he's the president. You know, we need to, you yeah. know, acknowledge this. So th this, is the, this is what he does. And he does it very strategically all, all the time. Just like you look at his press conference with this so-called, you know, executive order that really did nothing. You know, just pretty much, in my opinion, a lot of people agree. Some people say, you know, it's, it's a, a movement in the right direction, but there's no mandates in this executive order. It's only suggestions that most local leaders do not have to follow and most of them won't follow because they didn't even want those in put into law in the first place, you know, and most of them have had that same, they've had the ability to do everything that they, they put into these, this executive order. So, you know, he tries to utilize that time and, and make it seem like, you know, we're dealing with prison reform. Let me do something that speaks to that because I'm trying to get reelected. So we're very aware of what this president is doing there. Like you said, he's our co-organizer, man. Like whenever he does something, it's a reason for us to organize again. So, you know, it's just sad. It's actually just really sad, really sad. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources 
to level the playing field from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Yeah, it's a sad state of affairs. And I think like, yes, I try to come up with what's my thought of the day because I have so many thoughts of the day, of thoughts of the minute, thoughts of the hour. I wonder, have we really truly entered the race war that we've been talking about? And I have to ask that as a, with the second question, are we ready? Like, are we really truly ready for what we're being faced with? Because so many of our own people are just not aware. Like they're just living their lives. And a lot of that is, you know, it's the media. It's also a survival mechanism where people are like, you know, I don't even want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to, I don't want to have to face. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. I don't want to have to face the constant brutality and trauma and, and, and all that goes along with it. But at the same time, can't ignore it. We better be prepared because something really, really, really heavy is happening, especially when they're starting to find people hanging, people getting shot. Let me tell you, one thing I was thinking to myself the other day, I'm like, yo, they know for sure that if they come outside to these rallies and protests and other things where Pookie and them are like on guard, they know they cannot win. They cannot win. Because our people... We've been killed so much. We've been brutalized so much. We don't really have anything else to lose. So if you come and you decide to show up where we are and you want to face it's up, it's not going to be a good decision. It's not, not a good thing. It's not. But you know what I want to say? You know what I want to say? I don't mean to cut you off. No, please. I don't think, at this moment, you know, I think people are trying to create a race war. But I think at this moment, most people, just people in general, are realizing the pain, you know, the trauma, the effects of white supremacy, even white people. You know, I think everywhere you look in this world, people are screaming white li- black lives matter. They are they are acknowledging it. And I think we 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 are we are winning a lot of allies, you know, and co-conspirators as you say. I think so they're trying to create, and I think what Trump is trying to do is create, recreate the divide because that's been his whole strategy with his, you know, his um, presidency was to create this divide and, and make it seem like it's us against them, you know, just throwing out dog whistles and, and saying things to, to rival up his base. And you hear, you know, his, a lot of his, the white supremacists, like, well, 
we just waiting for Trump to give us the word. And we all he has to do is give us the word. So I think that's what he's trying to do. But I think this moment, you know, George Floyd's situation, coupled with so many, Ahmaud Arbery, coupled with so many different things, Breonna Taylor, just looking at where we are in this moment, I think it has, it has changed the perspective of the world. You understand what I'm saying? And I don't think they I don't think the world really wants a race war. I think because everywhere you go, they screaming Black Lives Matter, whites, green, everywhere. The people that never before had any concern. People before that we was like, why they don't speak up on our behalf? They ain't saying nothing. Everybody is vocal about what's going on. Everybody is screaming Black Lives Matter. And of course it's because of fad also, because it's the cool thing to do. But it's also a lot of people that you know are genuine, like, damn, I just didn't even know this was going on. Like, I never visualized, I never actually was able to see this. So I think we had a unique time where, you know, to me, I'm not so concerned about the race war where I'm concerned with the good against bad war. I think it's it's just good people against bad people at this time. You know, when I'm, yeah. I'm looking at it, you know, it's, I don't think, I don't think, because I don't think of most white people agree with what's going on. I think yeah, they're white supremacists that want to I don't think most white, sorry, I cut you off, but I don't think most white people agree. I mean, most white people support it, but I don't think most white people, again, that's an important word you said, most white people. I don't think they are willing to fight against it. And therefore, at some point, they have to choose a side. And guess what? In this particular moment, as you've been saying, those that are responsible for deconstructing the, 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 the institutional and systemic racism that their own ancestors created are white folks. And there's some that are in the movement, but there's also some that's in the movement that's problematic as fuck. Like, period. They are supposed to be liberal. They're supposed to be progressive. And yet they create more tension and dissension among movements because they, because they still operate off or operate through a white supremacist lens. And what I mean by that is when you are in these women's organizations where black women and women of color feel oppressed, even while we're supposed to be working together for liberation, and you out here telling everybody, oh, I believe Black Lives Matter, I'm a white woman that supports the movement, and yet and still the people you work with are being traumatized by your behavior and as we move to our next topic, when we come to you and say, what are you going to do about a Tatiana Jefferson, Shakisha Clemens, Breonna Taylor? You're not really, where, the, where, are, where are the white women's organizations right now? I'm talking about with mass movements. I'm not talking about oh, send sure. out a tweet or you posted something. I'm talking about mass movements for Breonna Taylor. Where are they? Well, that's what I think. Well, I think we're at a unique time where we need to start calling these people out. I think, you know, I think you have a, a, a presence, a voice. You know, I think that you have been tasked with the ability, skill level, and the reach to make sure that people understand that. And I want to know that too. Like, where are they? Where are these organizations that are supposed to be about women's rights that why aren't there, you know, major mass mobilizations and major movements behind Breonna Taylor, with the exception of what it is that, you know, we, us, you know, combined with other 
organizations in in her town, Black Lives Matter, and other organizations are putting together and organizing behind. Where are they? You know, that pertain to be about women's rights. So it's definitely right. But I mean, your it's, point a, of it's an issue. It's an issue, and you know, we have to ask. I mean, people raise so much hell about every move we made within the Women's March. And they said, you know, we were the problem, whatever. We, I'm not even going to waste air coming out of my body to repeat the lies and the bullshit that they tried to mount against us with the Women's March. But now we're not there, right? We're not there. Women's There's March. A women's March? It's still a Women's March? Quite. I mean, obviously, they send fundraising emails all the time. And no, uh, and, and even I, I didn't even know. Trump. I thought I thought when y'all, I thought it was over. I didn't even know it was still organization. No, it's still very much. There's a board. There are people there. We left people in charge. We we set up the board. We invited many of the folks who are there in the organization now. Um, and we did they say something about Brianna Taylor? I'm sure they probably sent out an email. But um, again, is there any action? The, again, and my my thing is not even, and which of course I know from when I was one of the you know strongest Black women voices within the organization from a national perspective. We forced people to deal with Shakisha Clemens, and it still wasn't enough. It still wasn't enough because yeah. you know the, the, what you have to ask is like, where is the Louisville? Women's March chapter or one that's in Kentucky, where are all the neighboring cities? Where's the folks in Indianapolis? Where are the people who, um, from a Women's March perspective, where are they in terms of coming together to fight for Breonna Taylor? Now, what they will say is, oh, well, you know, it's COVID-19 and whatever. Okay, fine. People want to use that. And, 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 and I'm not saying that you shouldn't protect yourself. So we can't tell anybody that they're wrong for not hitting the streets. But I'm almost certain, I'm almost certain that if this, in this moment, it was something Trump focused, boom, that's yeah. all you need. Because I've seen them, I've seen them on the streets. I've seen them on the streets since COVID. And, and I'm not saying they were organized by the National Women's March. I'm just saying I've seen people with their pink hats on and all of that around other issues, but not for specifically a Black woman. And so when we talk about we're in a race war, I think the way we end this, that I would end it, of course, you know you, maybe you won't end it there, but is that we've been in a race war. And that now, what's happening is that the actual uh, physical remnants of it is beginning to show up on the street. And by the way, the murder has been happening, but now it's not just the murder, it's also the response of some people from our communities. Yeah. You know, when we talk about Breonna Taylor, like, the, the, um, I want to first of all commend what um, you guys did with the campaign. Did, do you know what happened to Breonna Taylor? Like, that was a really big campaign, man. It touched me, just hearing her mother's story. Just, you know, I was there when she said, but just hearing her on that that video and just seeing all of those um, artists and actresses and, you know, people of stature in our communities and in our culture, just speaking on behalf, man. Like, I just want to say, 
it was dope, man. And, but we got it. There still has been nothing. Right. Like, we still haven't got any level of justice. And it's, it's crazy how disregarded and disrespected the black woman is. This woman was shot in her home and nobody's even lost a job or anything. Right. Like shot eight times through her home. Like that has to be some level of, you know, mal malpractice. It's so you know it's negligence. It, it, at least, if nothing else, there was negligence. You know, there's it, at least it's, it's something for you to say. You you are not capable to continue to do this job because your actions led to the death of an innocent person. Right. Your lack of understanding, your lack of professionalism. There was a lot of things lacking there. You right. know, and if, if we can't hold the police accountable to make sure that innocent people just don't die. You know, we can't charge them with crimes, but you, and then you still get to keep your job, but it has something. Has to yeah, no, Breonna Taylor's situation is pretty rough. And what we did see happen last week, which we know administrative duty is no longer enough. Like, we, it was never enough, but we just said to hell with that. Don't even bring up administrative uh, leave anymore. Um, and so what we did see happen is that the 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 ludge, the ludge. So what we did see happen is that the officer who wrote the no knock warrant and you know went to the judge to get him the judge to sign off on a no knock warrant, mm -hmm. he lied. He said that 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 the postal service had reported uh, suspicious packages going to Brianna Taylor's home. Mm -hmm. And the Postal Service came out and said they never, ever reported that. And in fact, they never witnessed or even assumed or felt that there were um, uh, suspicious packages going to the home. So this is, this is criminal activity. That's criminal activity. He lied criminal. to get the no-knock warrant. That's right. And so what your we lies, Your lies led to someone losing their life. That's and, you right. still, and you still getting paid by by taxpayers for, for killing one of their, exactly. their prize tax. Like, nah, it's, it's just it's just all crazy. Man. They, put him, they, they put him on desk duty. And then last week, they also passed Brianna's law. After that video um, came out, and, and let's just be sure, be sure to state that the video done by many celebrities, Tracy Ellis Ross, Cardi B, Alicia Keys, who was my, Alicia Keys and Rhapsody were my, co-organizers to get that campaign together. Um, Ellen DeGeneres, I saw Iman did a video, Jada Pinkett, MC Light, um, who else? Zoe Kravitz, uh, I, I mean, I don't even wanna get in, Lala Anthony, Kelly Rowland, so many women of influence came together for that campaign, even Kat Trigg, who is our uh, director and producer of this, um, of our podcast, Street Politicians, um, and, and, uh, and also Gandy Smith Harris. I mean, again, I'm going to stop because I don't want to get in trouble. Cardi B. Uh, yeah, I said Cardi. Cardi had over 11 million views on her video where we asked, do you know what happened to Breonna Taylor and provided the information. And, um, the interesting thing, oh, I've got to shout out Jamila T. Davis, but, um, and the interesting thing about it is that People want to be like, oh, the influences made this campaign, made the Breonna Taylor law get passed because the next day and one of the action items that I laid out in the video was that for the next day, 
um, that people needed to call city council members, especially folks from the local Louisville community to tell the city council to make sure they pass the Brianna's law, which bans no-knock warrants the next day. So yeah. uh, the, 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 um, the campaign went out on Wednesday and Thursday was the city council vote in which at the time, um, they they did actually pass Breonna Taylor's law. That's great. Do I think? Shout out to the people. Do I think that the video and the campaign that we released had something to do with it? Absolutely. But it's important to note that that's not the end all be all. There were people on the ground from BLM Louisville, like you said earlier, um, ACLU and others, and of course their attorneys, uh, Lanita Baker and Ben Crump who have been working diligently and the family advocating for themselves, Janaya, her sister. So I'm saying all of that to say that this movement is not about any one entity. It's not about celebrity faces that are not also aligned with activists and community organizers. We need every single person, every single body, the lawyers, the, the young people, the elderly, the wisdom, we need all of that working together to get justice, not just for Breonna Taylor, but for Breonna Taylor's of the past and those to come. That's right, man. You know, so we, and we're doing the action. That's right. On we're next Thursday, Thursday, the 26th, yeah. Thursday, the 25th of June, um, which it, that week, next week, marks, uh, and this might be in the week, right, y'all? When, when it gets released, Janice and Kat? Yes, okay. So this week marks 100 days since Breonna Taylor was murdered. 100 days. And Mur so on Thursday the 25th, we're going to be joined by a lot of important people, community people, everybody you could think of, but led most of all by Breonna Taylor's family in Frankfort, Kentucky, to demand that the state's attorney file charges against the liars, the abusers, the shooters, every single officer who is responsible for the murder of Breonna Taylor. That's right. So yeah, we'll be doing that on Thursday. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. 
Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. You know, um, it's, it's, just, it's just crazy, man. When you look at Breonna Taylor and you look how, you know, we were, we were just, it's this, the last few weeks have been so crazy. Like we went from, it started with Breonna Taylor. You know, it started with us going out for Breonna Taylor and then we went, ended up with, at George Floyd at protests, you know, then we're in Atlanta, you know, doing some work there, you know, for our organization. And then Rashad Brooks happens. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we see, and you know, it's Rashad Brooks situation broke my heart. Just watching the, the video, you know, watching his video, him talk about how he wanted to do better and how probation was holding him back, you know, and then you look at the situation, you look, at that whole video. You look at this 30, 40 minutes, and I would listen to um, Keisha Lance Bottom, man, Keisha Lance Bottoms talk and said, how this shouldn't have happened. You look like how that 40 minutes, like anything could have happened. You could have took this man home. He was polite. He was respectful. He he understood, he, you know, he wasn't the best. He, he, he offered to walk home, you know, and understanding, just looking, being formally incarcerated, understanding that seriousness of that. He just wanted to get home to his daughter. You know, he did everything right. And when you, when he looked and you heard that video and you heard him speaking about being on probation, how they hold things over your head, and there's nobody there to mentor you, nobody there to walk with you. And yeah, you make mistakes and little mistakes and you know, and they just wait for you to make that mistake. And it's like they holding all of that, him just coming home from prison and just wanting to do the right thing. And then after he realized that he had said everything he possibly could, like, uh, you know, could you just let me walk home? And to know that this man was going to put cuffs on him and he was going to have to return to that cell away from his family was a level of trauma that nobody understands. Unless you actually been through that, unless you actually have some seen somebody knowing that they wanted to do the best they can and knowing once he put those cuffs on him, somebody was going to violate his probation and he was going to spend time away from his family again. And people don't understand that. They'd be like, yo, he should have just, why did he resist? He understood the seriousness and that officer didn't officer didn't care. He probably did know. He probably ran this idea, seeing that he was on probation, and decided that he was more comfortable with taking that man's freedom. And you know, and, and, and understanding that moment, like that really touched me. I was in my bed last night watching his video of what he said, and I was like, wow, man. He wanted to do better. Just even when you heard the interview, when he was talking to the officer, he wasn't a wise ass. He was, he was like, yeah, officer, I had a few drinks, you know? But I'm, I'm understand, you know, yeah, I know I did something wrong. I understand, but, you know, I walk home. I just want to get home to my daughter. It's a birthday. Like, when you understand that, and that's where the dehumanization comes from for me. Because I know if it had been another white individual, I know if it had been, even if it would have been a black individual, you would have been able to identify with that person. You know, and, and when they don't see us as human, they don't mind destroying your home. They don't mind destroying your livelihood. They don't mind destroying your reality and just saying, well, you shouldn't have been doing it. We're just going to send you back. 
you know, then nobody gives you a break. Nobody cares about that. And that man, at that moment, when that man was putting that cuffs on his hand, he was just like, I'm not going back to jail. You know, I'm just, I just not going, but he shouldn't have died. Mm -hmm. He wasn't supposed to die for that, man. That moment, that situation did not call for that man to lose his life, man. And every time I think about it, it hurt, man. And I'm glad that the officers got charged, you know. And now, you know, that brings me to my word of the day. I mean, what, I don't get it. No, you got to do that again so they can edit it properly. That brings me to. You know. You got to hear me. Okay. I'm glad that the officer got charged, man. You know, and that brings me to my I don't get it. You know, officer got charged for murder. You know, everybody clearly seen what he did to that man. The man was running away. And then you have, I heard that the officers in Atlanta were refusing to work yesterday. And I want to know this. What I don't get is how are you comfortable with watching someone take a life? Right? I've never seen none of the police see some, uh, you know, individual in the street, a regular citizen get killed or somebody not get charged for a crime and get away and they decide that they, they, they failed their job. But you were willing to quit the job or, or not fulfill an oath that you signed up for because someone was held accountable for killing a man? Because someone was held accountable? What, what, what is your job? What did you sign up for? If, the, if these individuals signed up to get away with impunity to kill black people, then they should never be police officers. So I don't get the mind state. The same way with the young man, the, the, the officer in Buffalo, who was thrown to the, through the old man to the ground, and they were charged. And, and officers said that they were striking, and they came out and they, you know, applauded. What, 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 what is the mind state of the individual that is okay with that? You know, and that's what we have. To, I don't get that. I don't get how you saw somebody shoot a man in the back and you didn't think something was wrong with that. I don't care how, I don't get how you saw your officer throw a man to the ground and his head bleeding and nobody pick him up and then think that they should be charged with that. You know, I just don't get it. Yeah, I get it. It's a culture. And I think we're in the process of trying to uproot it now. So this has been a good conversation. You know, Street Politicians, second season, we're back. Um, don't get it twisted. We still don't agree on a lot of things, but in this moment, what we're working on and uh, the, the state of emergency that we're in, if you don't agree with us with this, then you're probably not somebody that we want to even yeah, do. Exactly. This ain't, this ain't Black people. Get on code. This ain't the time to be at odds. Yeah. You got, your enemy is your best friend right now. So, you know, lock arms. And right now, we're we in, we in the midst of changing the culture of of the world, you know, and we don't we don't have a time to be at all. So we'll me and her argue another time. But right now, we got work to do, man. So we may not always agree. I might not always be right, and she might not always be wrong, but most of the time she is. But we are always going to be together. That's how we own it. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. 
Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.